1: entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and welcome again to another show. Um, Great to uh, be back on again, and I just want to firstly start by saying a big thank you to Leslie Mateel, who I thought was great last week on motivational coaching, and had um, some great feedback on that as well. So really appreciate it, and I really do appreciate your comments. Um, So thank you very much for that. Uh, Now, today's show, we're going to talk about negotiation. And you know prior to moving into the world of people development that I'm in. I, I was a founder of a procurement consultancy. Now, I was service involved reviewing and renegotiating company costs, and we saved enormous sums. In one instance, we added £10 million, uh, I guess that's about, what, $16 million per annum to a drink company's bottom line, and on another occasion, over £6 million per annum to a restaurant group. Imagine how many extra products they would have had to sell to generate that. Now, these were large companies whose costs had got out of control. However, even if your business is small, being able to effectively negotiate and do it ethically is a vital skill. It can make the difference between your business surviving or not. And we also all need to haggle sometimes. Uh, how often have you got it wrong or wish you would simply ask for a price reduction? You can, in many cases, save yourself a lot of money even on the, on the high street through haggling or perhaps when you're on holiday uh, in distant countries. Also, you know, more things are often negotiable than we realize. However, when it comes to basic negotiation, many people get it wrong. I therefore wanted to invite a, a significant thought leader on negotiation to help us get it right During today's show, I will be discussing with Derek Arden the impact of negotiating professionally to enhance your business and personal skills and relationships. This does not mean ripping people off. Rather, it means negotiating ethically so all parties win. Now, we'll discuss the essential um, disciplines that you must acquire to negotiate effectively and also how to build your negotiating confidence. And and, uh, I think we'll talk through the mistakes that many people make that you absolutely must avoid. Now Derek Harden is a negotiator. He's an author and a, a current president of the Professional Speaking Association of the United Kingdom. He's formerly a senior executive in financial services and he's been negotiating or uh, was negotiating then the financing of many company takeovers. He's spoken at six business schools. He's studied at the Harvard Business School in the United States and is a practitioner of neurolinguistic programming. He uses psychology and sensory acuity to benefit all the negotiation situations he gets involved in. These have by all accounts ranged from multi-million pound corporate deals through to divorce cases and down to even negotiating flowers and filming it in his hometown of Guildford in England. Derek is author of Power Negotiating, Presenting Phenomenally and Negotiating Success. He has a bi-weekly executive briefing, which is free and read globally. And this month, he even gave his expert advice to and was featured in the Financial Times. So it's a great pleasure to welcome Derek Arden.
3: Thanks very much indeed, Chris. How how are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Uh, Brilliant. Good.
2: Excellent. Well, Derek, let's start off by asking you, what do you mean by effective negotiation?
3: Well, Chris, I mean uh, win-win situation, of getting a good deal for yourself, a good deal for the, uh, the client gets a good deal, and actually a good deal for your ongoing business relationship. So there's three parts to it. I sometimes call it win-win-win, me, you, and our ongoing business relationship because you get your best, uh, your best introductions and your best business from people who like you and trust you. So when I'm talking about uh, negotiation, I mean any interaction between two or more people where we want to get agreement. And of course, uh, when there's more than two parties to uh, to a deal, uh, for example, uh, in the uh, peace negotiations in the Middle East, there may be uh, 40 different factions involved Uh, it gets very, very difficult and it has to get pinned down almost to two sides, actually getting down and thrashing out a deal which works for everybody and has lasting impact on the quality of people's lives and uh, the actual contracts that are signed. Great,
2: great. So I think you started to allude to some of them, but what might be some of the circumstances where you can use negotiation techniques?
3: Well, I think the circumstances are all the time. I almost think it's a 24-7 skill. So I would say straight away, any people that are listening to this have got children, nieces and nephews. Children are fantastic negotiators. You've only got to look at a child walking down the street with his mum and dad who wants an ice cream. And uh, they usually get their own way by stamping their feet and doing what I would call a uh, bit of a dirty negotiation tactic, creating a scene which embarrasses their mum and dad and at the end of the day getting their own way. So kids are fantastic negotiators. Then we get a, we get a bit older about 16, 17, 18 and we sort of lose some of this determination to get our own way. But um then you get into the big negotiations where uh, All sorts of issues come up, all sorts of tactics are used, people get kept in rooms, 24 hours thrashing out deals, lawyers come into it, accountants come into it, all these people maybe have their own agendas as well. Uh, The lawyer's agenda might be to uh, keep things going for quite a long time, because if he's on an hourly rate, he's uh, getting paid more by doing that. Heaven forbid that would really happen, but governments all around the world have had to bring in mediation to try and stop the lawyers uh, building up big bills
2: yes certainly come across that in the past i was also just maybe think about i'm um, i've got young children and my, my five-year-old is great at negotiating um brilliant but uh, a particular example that i amused me was sitting in the front of um, my car with um, a friend's two children in the back and one of them said um, can i have some sweets and i i thought i would be clever here i'll use um a little little sort of technique and i said to her um, would you like, here's some sweets, would you like one or two? And she said, I want the packet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, of course, used a double bind, which is a sales closing technique, uh, negotiating closing technique, uh, isn't it, where you give the person a choice and you hope they'll uh, take one or the other. And As long as they take one, it doesn't really matter. But uh, this child was smarter than you. They outsmarted you by taking the packet.
2: So what what do you think gets in the way then from you know, children who are amazing negotiators through to, you know, adults who get it wrong?
3: Well, I think um, children get uh, told off about stuff, don't they, as they're growing up, and they don't actually take any notice because they go through different stages in their lives, uh, and they're looking to get away from the nest and challenge everything and challenge their parents. And then suddenly they become uh, teenagers and they... uh, sort of get a bit shyer about the business world. They're realizing they're entering it and they don't uh, stand up for for things. And uh, very often, I've coached one or two people leaving university and I always say to them, whatever job offer you get, and they put the salary on the table, just say, um, Oh dear, I was expecting a little bit more than that. So sort of lower your voice tonality, don't have it aggressive, but just say, Oh, I was just expecting a little bit more than that. Shut up and see what happens. Because the worst case is you take the uh, original offer. Now, my daughter did that when she left university. She actually said, Dad, I can't really do that, can I? um and then she did it and she got another 250 pounds a year this was a few years ago but 250 pounds a year cumulatively it all adds up if you don't ask you don't get
2: and you know the way you just described that there was in a very
3: very non-threatening way wasn't it it was uh, yeah, yeah definitely if you're going to say something aggressive say it say it uh, quietly with uh, with voice tonality which is low like I'm doing now and if something's not very important then uh, lift up your voice tonality and say it say it like that but uh, yeah the more you can keep control of the situation and not uh, lose your rag um, because if you do upset someone and if you do use aggressive language they tend to use aggressive language back and then it starts heading towards a win-lose or a lose-lose
2: Brilliant, so how, how just very quickly before we, how, how do you Carefully manage this. You used talk about negotiations in personal relationships. Are you talking there about
3: at home with your, your, your partner or as well? I've, yeah, if we're talking about personal relationships, I do say sometimes, well, uh, when I'm running a masterclass, I ask a question at the beginning what could cost you the most money? Not uh, negotiating uh, your uh, sales properly, not negotiating your costs down enough, or um, not spending enough time with your partner. And therefore ending up with an expensive divorce, losing your house or whatever, um, because you haven't spent enough time, quality time, uh, talking, listening, sharing things um, and uh, winning. They say uh, in a um, partnership, people should have five positive interactions for every uh, negative one for a good uh, uh, a good relationship. So, yeah, you've got to spend time on all three income costs and um personal
2: stuff and that's looking to get to win-wins so you're both happy i
3: yeah, guess absolutely because if one's not happy then the other one's not going to be happy
2: so we've got about three minutes now till the commercial break but in that time i just wondered if you could maybe share with us how people get it wrong i know you mentioned we mentioned in the brief that there was five ways that people often get it wrong um what are these common mistakes sure,
3: chris yeah well, I have to tell you, number one always disappoints people when I tell them this, but it's actually not doing enough preparation. Proper preparation prevents pretty poor performance. The six Ps, and uh, most people, generally average negotiators, spend ten fifteen minutes before they go into a negotiation making a few notes, doing a mind map. I think it's sort of up to twenty times more than more than that for a real important negotiation. Look at the business deals you do. Look at how important the money is in that. And if it's an important deal then really prepare uh see where the other side are coming from etc number two is asking good questions really good questions well how much would you pay how far are we apart what are we going to do number three is listening active discipline listening which i think we're going to talk about after the break number four is not reading people not reading people in the situations and the body language where they're coming from and the last one number five is not understanding. Negotiation tactics, A, when they're played on you, and B, when you might use them to close the deal, uh, like putting a time deadline on, taking a break uh, to discuss it with your colleagues, buying a bit of time so you can think things through and come up with a uh, alternative situation, uh, and understanding when people just really aren't playing fair. They're playing dirty. Mm. So,
2: <coughs> in the sort of last sort of minute, I just just to sort of summarise before we go, and we'll talk about these more after the break, but what are the consequences for people and their businesses if they really get negotiation wrong?
3: It costs them a lot of money, Chris. And uh, at the bottom line, they might go, uh, they might, uh, go bus, go into Chapter 11, uh, go into administration, um, and lose then maybe their um, house as well if they put up their uh, personal assets as security. So it could be disaster, Or it could be, sometimes I say, maybe 10% of your profits could go in uh, poor negotiation. Mm. Uh, And probably also, poor, just not looking at your costs at all,
2: just letting them run away, just be even bigger. (laughs) Absolutely. Great. Well, we're just going to go over to commercial break and we'll be back with you again very shortly.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here voice america business network
0: if you're looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line tune in to make your move with alan and brian bolio their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective the program will be business talk but with an economic context so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you planned for your retirement yet? If you are a public sector employee, perhaps not. Studies have shown that employees of schools, educational institutions, governments, nonprofits, and public safety may lack the information they need to effectively prepare for retirement. For the answers you need, tune in to Lessons in Retirement, Retirement Planning for Public Sector Employees with host Jim Bishop broadcasting live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's sure to pay off in your future.
1: Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for the growth strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldona and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit and grow your business with Aldana ambler and the growth strategist every tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time right here on the bottom line in business talk voice america business when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper here of bemoreachievemore.com with my special guest today, Derek Arden, and we were talking about negotiation. And Derek, I think it might be nice to before we go into those specific areas, um, just to get a sense of you know, why is negotiation so important to you?
3: Well, to me, Chris, I was um, an account director at a large bank uh, 20 years ago, and I was negotiating in the retail sector, and I thought I was a pretty good negotiator. But I came across a couple of retailers here in the UK, similar to Walmart, and uh, they were doing stuff to me that I didn't really understand. And I thought uh, one day when they threw me out of a meeting, after about 30 seconds, when they said, if you don't come down on your price uh, that's it. And the finance director stood up and walked me to the door. And I had one of those moments where I was uh, trying not to sweat, trying not to be go red and trying to think how I was going to explain to the chairman of the bank I worked for how um, I'd lost this uh, mega account. And at that moment, I thought, well, I've always liked teaching, speaking, writing. Wouldn't negotiation be a fantastic thing to write about? Because there's no answer. You can't give people a prescriptive thing because it all depends on the circumstances and the people. So I got every book I could uh, think of, every audio program. I read it and studied it. Started speaking locally and then nationally, uh, getting invited to business schools and uh, it's great. And even now, people ask me for their advice, my advice and we speak on the radio, but there's no right answer. Every situation's different. It's a bit like a thumbprint. Every thumbprint of every person in the world is different. Every negotiation is different and it covers every aspect of uh, interpersonal skills. So as you can see, I'm sounding passionate about it because it's every situation's different and it's great.
2: Fantastic. I, I guess it's helpful, though, to have some kind of a framework that you can always come back to and you know we can liken it really to this interview in some ways you know we have a, a framework that we've agreed that we can come back to however we've also got the freedom to sort of go off piste a little bit when yeah. we need to uh,
3: my framework is a little score sheet that i keep and it's in my book and it basically goes like this first of all make sure you do your preparation properly understand what the best position target position walk away position Uh, that you want to achieve and if you don't achieve your walk-away position, what's the alternative position? So if you don't do the deal, how are you going to spend your time? What are you going to do with the resources? Make sure that you are down to your walk-away position and the numbers make sense the fixed costs against the marginal costs, etc. Number two would be asking good questions, make sure you ask good questions, prepare them in in advance. Number three is make sure you listen to what the people are saying, active, disciplined listening. Then make sure you're reading their body language and managing your own body language, putting yourself in the other person's shoes, looking at the tactics they might use on you and the tactics you might use on them. And I don't mean use, but you have to be aware of the tactical moves. Uh, then you then trading concessions, how you're going to trade things, inventing solutions if you can't get a deal. And the final one's confidence, which we are going to talk about later. But uh, you can't be confident you haven't gone through that checklist and checked, you thought thought about everything and done your preparation. So that's my, um, that's my framework. Fantastic. So
2: let's use that as a structure there and then let's talk um, about the first stage which I think was prepare for your negotiation. Yeah. How, how should people really effectively prepare for negotiation?
3: Think about the negotiation a, a little while in advance, a week in advance, a couple of weeks in advance, or a day in advance, depending on the importance. I would mind map all the issues and then I'd talk to the people involved that knew it better in the company or someone that knew them better. What's their style? How are they going to come across? Are they going to be aggressive? Are they going to be passive? Are they going to expect to get a deal? Because if they're going to expect to get a deal and expect you to come down, then you need some room to maneuver or is it going to be your first price is your last price, etc. Uh, where are you going to negotiate? You're going to negotiate on your premises, on their premises, on neutral ground. You're going to get a serviced office. You're going to, if it's a couple of guys, a couple of ladies. You gonna, could you negotiate in a Starbucks or something? Round a table, neutral ground. You know, buy them a coffee. Uh, get to know them and small talk. Uh, I'd get a flip chart out and in a big negotiation, I'd video it and play it back, see how you come across, put yourself in the other person's shoes, uh, see see what's happening, uh, get a feel for it and see how they might be thinking. You know, as, if you use a bit of NLP, put yourself in the other person's shoes, uh, where are they coming from, imagine you, you know where they're coming from, certain things jump out of you and surprise you or get a coach, get involved as I do, get involved with clients, uh, uh, get someone to help you with it.
2: One of the, a situation that kind of this is bringing up for me was a time when I, it was probably a mistake, I have to look at myself over it, but I was uh, negotiating a significant deal and what I had, hadn't made sure was that uh, a person who was with me, who was uh, from a client, had actually, was fully aware that if I ask a question and it gets a little bit uncomfortable, that they should keep quiet because what actually happened was we were talking, it was about over £400,000 and the chap that I was with, um, I asked them a particular question and uh, was very, went very quiet uh, and they they were s- suddenly realising that they'd been significantly overcharging us and getting a bit uncomfortable and were about <laughs> to say something when the, the chap that I was with suddenly said, but of course at this late stage you wouldn't do anything with the pricing. <laughs> and, and the thing I learnt out of that is that you also have to prepare really thoroughly and make sure that people around you who may be involved in that, with you as well, also know what their role is.
3: Absolutely. same thing happened to me a, a few times, even when I was uh, um, pretty good at this stuff after I'd been studying it for a while, we um, we um, had a meeting and the uh, one of the people were late. I said we couldn't go down any lower on our price. And- he said, this is my guy, yes, we can. And, you know, I just sort of died on the spot. Not only I was appearing to be disingenuous, uh, it looked like I'd been lying as well. So, uh, you know, and, uh, of course, I should have taken him out of the meeting, just briefed him before he came in rather than letting him come in blind. But the trains were delayed, et cetera. So, yeah, you've got to get your whole team on board. I might just say something about team negotiations, Chris, if I may. Yeah, please do. Um if you're going to um, have a structure, a framework for a team negotiation, you need to set down the rule, the roles very clearly. First of all, you've got your lead negotiator, the person that's going to do the haggling. That's quite a stressful job. You've got to think quickly on your feet. You miss some clues. Quite difficult to read the situation and the body language. It's all left brain stuff while you're uh, really going for it. Second person is the person that watches. They can connect, relax. A bit of right brain skill, watch the body language, do a bit of mirroring and matching of the other people to uh, build rapport, make the odd notes, and then when you take a break, time out, or as the people at Harvard call it, going to the balcony, then you can find out what the other person thinks, saw, heard because we all hear different things and what's their judgment? How much should we come down? Should we uh, keep going for a while? Perhaps they need to get away early, so we won't put any concessions on the table till the last minute to uh, close the deal, etc. Third person might be the note-taker. If you need someone to take copious notes of everything that happened, then that doesn't want to be the observer. Obviously, you can't watch and write at the same time. And the fourth person, Is probably the most dangerous person because you've got to be really careful about them, but you may need them there, the expert, the uh, person that knows uh, about the deal, if it's uh, an internet deal, about how the internet works, how the processes work, if it was a building, you might be the uh, quantity surveyor, etc. These people have a knack of knowing the quantity surveyor of the, on the other side and they like to chat and share things and show off. This guy can be really dangerous. You want him totally on your side, knows not to talk unless he's asked. You, you're leading as the lead negotiator. You bring the people in. So if you do ask one of those open questions, um, then your side doesn't uh, fill the silence and answer it uh, by mistake. And at the break, lastly you might get uh, your expert talking to their expert, not giving anything away, but seeing if they're giving anything away to you.
2: Mm -hmm. So let's, you talked about some questions there. Let's move on to questions. What are the best questions from your experience to ask?
3: Well, we've got open and closed questions, so we need to consider those first. The best questions are open questions, which gets them talking because when they're talking, they're giving you information, and when you're talking, you're giving them information. So, um, what what do you need from us? How are we going to solve this? Uh, how much are you prepared to pay? What extras can you give us if we give you uh, a little bit off? Uh, how? What's the time scales for paying? Now all those questions are beginning with what and how you'll notice and uh, if you frame your questions in the first instance with a what or a how you're going to get a good quality open question and when you when you ask these questions i imagine in my mind a question mark at the end of the sentence and that question mark tells me not to say anything else because often people ask a question and then devalue it with a second question which lets the other side off the hook for example how much are you going to pay how much can you pay because I need to know this, this and this to talk to the committee to talk to my boss and it lets them off the hook, gives them some more thinking time. So it's literally how much can how much will, will you be able to pay and shut up?
2: So, so are we saying then that listening is really
3: important? Absolutely. Active, disciplined listening with your two ears and your two eyes and your brain focused on exactly what they're saying not being involved in any self-talk, thinking about what you're going to say next, etc. So how do you do active listening? You uh, do body language, upright body language, which is relaxed and focused uh, with eye con- the right eye contact, maybe with your head slightly tilted like animals do when they're listening to you, and in the zone with your notepad there for the odd notes, with your questions, and uh, being interested In what the other person's saying and most people don't do it very well they slouch they fold their arms they um start thinking about what they're going to say next etc and it's a real skill and people are it's very easy they think and it's not easy at all and then of course we're watching the body language which goes with it because it's five times more difficult to lie the psychologists say with your body language than it is with the words that you're coming out with And therefore, uh, clearly, you want to see if there's any nose rubbing, fidgeting, and stuff like that as they're answering the question.
2: So you've got to watch your own body language and make sure you keep that, I guess, relatively neutral so you're not giving something away. But you've also got to zone in very carefully and observe the body language as well as the words and intonation from the other people. Is that what you're saying?
3: Absolutely. It's a big job, isn't it? It is, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. and uh, people say to me well i'll never get all this but it's a bit like driving a car chris when you first learn to drive a car your net you can't figure out how you're going to put the clutch in look in the wing mirror reverse it and stuff like that and of course after about 20 lessons you um, never give it another thought for the rest of your life and it's the same with this but you know you have to practice it you have to brief it you have to debrief him um i was gonna i was gonna mention yes tank questions and no tag questions, which are quite useful to close deals, close negotiations. Um, is, there anything, is there anything else you need before we go ahead, which puts in their mind uh, yes or no? And if they don't answer, uh, it, it goes on. Uh, and so just using that type of question, it can be quite useful.
2: Fantastic. Well, Well, we're going to go over to another commercial break, and we'll continue with this uh, great structure after the break.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business bonus.
0: No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at BeMoreAchieveMore.com. That's info at BeMoreAchieveMore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com with um, my special guest today, Derek Arden, and we're talking about negotiation. And and Derek, we were talking about a number of steps. Uh, We talked about preparing about um, asking great questions and also the importance of listening. And I I just wondered, you know, what are the clues that you should watch out for?
3: Well, If we start with the body language first and then we'll work through the rest. So um, the body language I'm looking for is are they comfortable, are they relaxed? Next I'm looking for uh, arms folded defensive. Why are they defensive? Are are we threatening them or are they thinking through options and they're beginning to uh, not tell us? all the truth folded arms withholding information generally then i'm looking for some more obvious clues that people don't generally think are obvious but no scratching and any hand to face gestures as they're telling us something probably means it's not true pinocchio's nose grew every time he told a lie and uh, the walt disney film uh, made lots of money Uh, and actually nose rubbing is a pretty good uh, giveaway for lying Uh, politicians could never ever rub their noses so let's take any nose rubbing as people being a bit nervous hand hand jumping around just looking at their face and their eyes do they feel comfortable? real test is look them in the eyes and see what you think trust your intuition on that and watch the other people in the meeting as well see what they're doing if there's too much stillness or too much eye contact, which feels uncomfortable, that could also be a sign of withholding things or even uh, telling lies. So again, but, you know, trust your gut. You need to know about this. You need to be aware of it, but trust your intuition. But you need as much information as possible to actually get that intuition really firing on all four cylinders. Then we go down to um, voice tonality and how people talk. You know, yes, I'm really up for that, Chris, or yes, I'm really up for that Chris, one tells you it's positive, one tells you it's a negative so how do people come across with that voice intonation and finally the words and the language people use which is very important for neurolinguistics as uh, some of your listeners will know, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we're really ready to go ahead with that next week and you'll notice a bit of um and an a bit of uncertainty in my voice, that sort of tells you maybe that they're, they're not really ready to go ahead and if you get any shaking of the head at the same time and some arms crossing that sort of doubles up that uh, they probably won't go ahead and if you're betting everything on them, up, them going ahead they probably won't so you need to find out what the objections are at that point. Mm. You, you raise
2: an interesting point about checking out the other people because if the main negotiator is, is saying something and they may be they may be familiar with some of the things that you're talking about here, about managing their own body language, etc. I guess it's worth looking at those other individuals to see if there's clues. Like when the main negotiator says something, is somebody else rubbing their nose?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the body language is what someone is thinking. The words are what someone is saying. And you're looking for that mismatch about what they're thinking and what they're saying. And don't forget the top politicians are coached and coached and coached on their body language to make sure they come, come across as, as honest, as congruent as possible. But you can usually see something when they're not telling the truth, only if it's in their eyes or their blink rate. He's a blinking liar. Where does that come from? Because people's blink rate goes up when they're not telling the truth, when they're uncomfortable. I've
2: never heard that before, but that makes complete sense. <laughs>
3: I mean, when people scratch the back of their neck, they're probably saying this question's is a pain in, the, pain in the neck. So all those phrases that have been handed down generation from generation actually will have a meaning when it goes with the body language. Yeah. If someone puts their hand, for example, in front of their Adam's apple, that's one of our most vulnerable places. So they feel threatened. The question has put them under fire. And if people put their hands in a praying gesture, almost universally worldwide, they don't know the answer to what you've asked them, and they're looking for some divine intervention from another being, and that works straight across most religions. Whereas some of the body language doesn't quite work the same. For example, shaking your head in Japan means uh, you're not sure, rather than no. Yeah,
2: it's multicultural. I guess there's a number of these different could, variations.
3: Yeah, and you have to be really careful with cultural situations. So it's better to have a cultural interpreter, someone to advise you on that, either before you go, or you, or whilst you're there abroad, someone you're paying who's totally on your side and knows the rules of the game. So is it
2: worthwhile if you if you've got a negotiation coming up, is it worthwhile just start bef- in, as part of your preparation, maybe just becoming a bit more aware of of body language, for example the people that you're meeting you know just to get yourself a bit more attuned and and almost kind of match ready
3: yeah no absolutely and uh, funnily enough women are better at reading body language uh, generally than men are uh, more right brain skills more connectors between the left and right side of the brain what i coach people who are generally not aware low emotional lower emo- emotional intelligence i would uh, probably Call it. It's just to make a note on a pad or on your, in, in your file of facts in your computer system, whatever you use to make your notes. Um, watch some body language or even turn the sound down on your TV when the news is on and watch uh, and uh, understand what's going on. Uh, so the sound down on your TV makes it really awkward for 10 or 15 minutes, but you start becoming more sensory aware, sensory acuity of the uh, body language and what's going on.
2: We've got a a, a, there's a film at the moment. You might know the name of it. I, I can't remember. It's but it's uh, it's a one that's won a lot of awards for. It's a silent movie, and uh, you know, it's it, just by watching a silent movie, you get so much of the meaning, don't you? Even without the words.
3: Um, yeah, absolutely. I love all those old films, those black and white silent films from the uh, when was it the twenties? Yeah. Charlie the- Chaplin. Johnny <laughs> Chaplin, fantastic, and of course, they had to the body la- exaggerate the body language gestures. And don't forget, on TV or actors, actors spend a lot of time on body language because they exaggerate the body language to get it to, to come across. So, when you're seeing a really good actor, they are fantastic with uh, with their gestures,
2: just, just accentuating them a bit for, a bit more. So, you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned to me as as well when we were we were chatting. I can't remember whether this in the break or, or, or in preparing for this, that uh, empathy is really important. Do you want to talk a little bit about empathy?
3: Yeah, empathy is putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Where are they coming from? Imagine you're them. What do they want? But the other thing with empathy is uh, go and talk to them. Talk to them informally. Buy them a cup of coffee. Buy them a glass of wine after work. Uh, take them to something. It doesn't have to be something expensive. Take them to something that they're interested in. Um, Corporate hospitality or whatever you want to call it, ought to be used uh, scarcely, uh, productively and to build rapport. The benefits of building rapport is that when you come to the uh, negotiation situation, people will treat each other more courteously. They'll allow more difficult questions to be asked. And if they actually want to do business with you rather than the competition, Although they've got to be seen to being fair, if everything's equal, the price, the delivery, the payment terms, etc., then they're much more likely to do business with you if you if they like you. And uh, the way they're going to like you is by um, your personality, the way you treat them, the way you treat them with respect, the things, the small things that you might uh, give them, whether you put yourself out for them or not, etc., etc. We all know this stuff, but. uh, Generally, people don't do it, Chris, they don't do enough of this stuff in the first place. I say before a meeting that you go into a negotiation or so, whatever it is, that you should spend in the meeting five minutes for every hour building rapport on small talk and stuff that uh, people know.
2: Mm. I, I suppose we also have to be a bit mindful. I, I've, I've certainly noticed that sometimes uh, some of the biggest concessions could be given away in the, in the lift <laughs> uh, or uh, you know, outside of the meeting. If, uh, when, yeah. you, when your guard's been dropped.
3: It could be. And, of course, people. 80% of the concessions usually come in the last 20% of the negotiation time. Pareto's law, uh, you know, Rolfredo Pareto, the Italian economist, who said uh, came found that 80% of the assets in Italy were in the hands of 20% of the people and applied that as a business law. Well, in negotiation, 80% of the concessions come in the last 20% of the negotiation time. So it's really important that you control the negotiation time and are aware of that. And if not, carry the meeting on later on. So don't get caught in that uh, time time issue. And be careful in lifts and when your guard's down, etc. I've been in two negotiations where I'm very certain that uh, I've been bugged. I had enough intuitive evidence to know that uh, they'd set the room up, that they sent us to a room to make a phone call back to uh, head office. And they said, we've set up a room for you to call back and listening again. You're listening skills again. I was suspicious of the word setup. set up, I was suspicious of their body language, and so we um went out of the office and used our mobile. I was uh, walking around the block. Crikey! So,
2: so, yeah, what are the what are I've the- heard?
3: Lifts, I've heard of lifts being bugged, as you mentioned. It's sorry to interrupt. I've heard of lifts being bugged, cars being bugged, etc. And certainly, in a number of institutions in the UK, I'm sure it's in the states, the boardrooms and the offices of the chief executives are. Swept for bugs every morning. Amazing. Oh, really? they're swept for bugs. People leave them yeah. there, do they? Because you know, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe the cleaners come in, the security guards come in. They're being paid some money. Leave a bug under the uh, under the desk, so someone can listen to what the board's talking about. Listen to the uh, best position, target position, walk-away position on their uh, on their uh, earphones from two, three hundred yards away. Uh, you can buy bugs, which cost about £500, uh, you know, with a transmitter in that will transmit uh, conversations uh, a mile away. So all this stuff goes on and it goes on more than people think if you're dealing with unscrupulous people. and Sometimes we get dragged into something where we have to.
2: I was just thinking. You know, I guess a lot of people listening to this won't get into find themselves in that situation. But I suppose we do find and we can all find ourselves in in situations like this, perhaps when we've got we're dealing with a kitchen company or something who sent a rep around and is then um, in the conversations, probably part as part of their sales process saying, you know, you need to speak. I need you to speak to my boss. Um, and, And, you know, some of those things get quite unethical. Um, I've actually even had invited one or two companies into my own home just to experience them doing it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was involved in a television program where we did uh, we, where we actually had people um, negotiating the best deal. So I was the advisor to the TV company on uh, and. Uh, they kept ringing the boss and fictitious boss we didn 't think they were on the phone to anybody uh, the double glazing salesman, but it was just i oh, 'll see what I can do for you. I have to speak to the boss uh, if i get if I get something off from the boss, we will have a deal don 't we he 's in a really bad mood, uh, et etc 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 all a game but If you look carefully, you can tell it 's a game, anyone can tell it 's a game, but most people ignore it, so it 's raising the sensory acuity, yeah. Kick them out, as well. Good. Well, if people are acting unethically, then you probably don't want to do business with them, and you can notice that if you keep your eyes open.
2: Fantastic. Well, that's a great way to move into the next commercial break, and we shall continue this again uh, in a few moments.
3: Look forward to it.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
3: in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
1: If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at BeMoreAchieveMore.com. That's info at BeMoreAchieveMore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com with my guest today, Derek Harden, and we're continuing our conversation about negotiation. And, and Derek, I was, I was wondering, what a... <laughs> Uh, I know um, you've mentioned to me about barga- bargaining, trading and haggling. What um, is the difference between those three terms? Is there a difference?
3: i have to be very honest with you Chris, not very much but uh, my, uh, my first example is haggling where you don't really have a relationship with the person, you're buying something in the market. You might be on holiday in Mexico, in Morocco or somewhere where people haggle like mad. So that's no relationship. Trading is probably where you have a bit of a relationship with the people and you're trading concessions If I do this for you you do that for me and I would call bargaining when you've got a good relationship You're trying to sort out the deal and you want to find out what the deal breakers are what uh, what issues? you have got ten issues. Uh, you tell me what your two deal breakers are and I'll tell you what my two deal breakers are We'll agree to the other six things and uh, and then uh, get down and uh, bargain our way out of it so that we end up with a win-win deal. That's my um, my take on it. Some people will say it's all the same and it will be difficult to argue with that. But relationships are important, so I'd call that bargaining, haggling. That's that's uh, street trader, street market stuff. Uh, have
2: you any 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 tips on when haggling in that sort of street market when you're on your holidays? Um... So it's a slightly different, well, yeah. sort of different approach any any tips for people because many people might well, be wondering how do I do that?
3: Well, you've got to have a good idea how much the things are worth. That's the problem because uh, if you go to a country where they haggle uh, and they're fairly unethical, you could be buying something for let's say thirty pounds thirty dollars It's only worth a pound or a dollar and even though you think you haggle them down and get them down to £20 or $20, uh, you've actually been ripped off. And, of course, these guys are really good at it. They've been brought up for uh, uh, since they were two or three uh, by their parents doing it, and it's just normal. It's just game on. And people from the Western countries tend to think that it's a bit dirty and unethical, etc. So rule number one is make sure you do your preparation. Make sure you really want this and don't overpay for it. Number two is realize that this is just a game, so carry on with the game. And number three, you have to walk away. Well, when you walk away, they'll probably follow you, and they'll probably follow you and um, keep, keep going. But you're not going to get them down to their away position until you show that you're prepared to walk away. Mm. And uh, make sure you want it in the first place, because if you think you got a good deal and it was worthless to you, then uh, that was a terrible deal.
2: find yourself with all sorts of stuff that you don't want
3: (laughs) yeah one of their tricks that they did to me in a market uh, chris was that uh, they wrote they gave me a piece of paper put a pen in my hand and said write down how much you're prepared to pay and therefore if you wrote down 10 pounds and um it was only worth a pound they would probably oh that's going to be really difficult We really need to give me 12 but they know where you're walk away position is so mm. that you have a haggle between 12 and 10 and then they say oh dear yeah okay as it's you and I really like you uh 10 pounds and so you put <laughs> your position on and well, what a neat, neat little trick and having written it down yourself of course you've committed it to paper in your own handwriting and there's some sort of psychological impact of that which is very very powerful making people r- write sign their own contracts, writing their name and address on a contract is more powerful than the uh, salesperson doing it for them in a negotiation. So it's getting inside your brain with the old um, psychology.
2: Fantastic. So t- talking about psychology then and uh, getting into your own brain, uh, what, are, what are your tips on building confidence and controlling nerves? Because I know, you know do, doing negotiation and haggling and um, like speaking is something that people can find um, or feel uncomfortable to them.
3: Yeah, I mean, number one is um, is um, do your preparation. Again, feeling not confident is generally the first sign is that you just really haven't prepared. You hadn't got done your work first of all, and it's the same with presenting. Uh, you and I present a lot, and. Uh, I do lots and lots of preparation. I always prepare, even if I always prepare, write out the speech again, if it's a speech I've done before, mind map it, etc. And it's just exactly the same with negotiation. So prepare, prepare, prepare. And then maybe 15 or 20 minutes before the meeting, get to, get to the offices, get to the premises early, get to the room early, set it up how you want it set up, make sure there's teas and coffees there to build rapport. And then just go outside and get a bit of fresh air. Take three deep breaths. Uh, get myself in the zone like we talked about before we did this program. Are we in the zone? Yep, we're in the zone and uh, and then go in confidently and walk confidently. Walk like the, uh, well, I was going to say like the President of America, but there's only one person that can walk like that with that confident air. But it, it, people do that, leaders do that to show this air of confidence and putting your body in a confident state puts your brain in a confident state because the mind-body connection is, instant as the uh, experts in nlp will tell you so that's it and go through your own routine as sports stars do when they're uh, taking a penalty under extreme pressure they've got to anchor to anchor their brain and their body into that really positive confident state when they know they're in control and it's sounds easy to do but it needs practice
2: i've also you know Heard and, and done a little bit myself with with people that you that you're negotiating with is is do some research on them. Yeah. Um. Look look at look at them on LinkedIn. Um, or where, whatever systems are available for you to find out as much information as you can about what what interests them. You know. See, do you have a common interest? All these things can be kind of helpful, and they can maybe start to help you think about and understand the personality of somebody. You can also, of course, ask somebody that who might know them who. Uh, who's long likely to share that information can all help, yeah, can't it?
3: It can. And also in the middle of the meeting, if they really throw you something which throws you off, just uh, hold a bit of silence for a few minutes, make a, a few notes, or even make an excuse to take a break and a timeout so you get some thinking time. Don't, uh, don't react straight away.
2: Do, do you ever imagine before you're going into these situations, um, then, you know, imagine them going well? Is that part of your preparation?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Start with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey said. Imagine it's the end of the meeting, and it's a successful meeting. What did we do to What did we do going back down the timeline to make it successful? How did we start? What action did we take? Uh, how did we handle the questions, the difficulties, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Cool. So, so, do you
2: thinking back on what we've talked about? Um, what are the key messages that you'd really like to leave people with?
3: Well, I've um, written down five key messages that I'd like to leave people with. In any negotiation, start off with knowing what you want to achieve, the best position you could achieve, the target position, and the t- best position above the target position because a lot of people start with the target position. Sometimes with a service industry or where you're selling something that's scarce, you can often get more than you think you can because we think negatively often. That's human nature. And you walk away position where you'll leave the table. But make it a soft or a hard walk-away position, it's better to have a soft one. So, Chris, that's the best deal I can do for you today, with the emphasis on today, so tomorrow you could change your mind and know what your alternative position is. Then do the preparation. Always aim for a win-win situation. Don't trust people to be fair. Read the people, read the body language, read the voice tonality, read the words, they l- and read the whole general, almost sixth sense intuition of it. Understand the tactics and finally go in feeling confident, prepared and if something crops up then take a break, take a time out, have a little think about it, come back to them tomorrow and on the telephone where you can't see the body language, if you are negotiating on the telephone, um, call them back, get a pad out, write, de- write your notes, see what the options are, see what else you can give them uh, if it's a pricing issue that doesn't cost you so much. And might be valuable to them. And if in doubt, ask them. Uh, well, we're so far apart. What can we get to? What can we do together do? Fantastic. Well,
2: it's been absolutely fabulous talking to you today, Derek. Um, really appreciate your time, and uh, certainly found that very um, enlightening and, and helpful. A real masterclass in negotiation. So, thank you, Derek.
3: Thanks very much indeed, Chris.
2: You're very welcome. If you want to find out more about Derek and subscribe to his uh, free biweekly executive um, newsletter, uh, it's read globally, go to www.derekarden.com. Um, his site, he also tells me, um, the, it includes four videos on four haggles he did down uh, his local high streets in Guildford, England, which includes wine, flowers, TVs, and picture frames. So if you're doing any of those purchases, you might want to check those out. Um, so good different uh, haggling uh, learning points. Uh, do also join us for next week, Joe. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the key principles of success from uh, a gentleman called Lee Jackson. Uh, Lee's uh, the author of six books. And uh, whereas Derek's provided his masterclass on a subject on negotiation, we're going to be talking about um, some really significant principles of success. And I've heard uh, Lee speak and he did a fabulous uh, engaging presentation on this. So I wanted him to come and uh, talk to us. If you have any questions or feedback, please send them to me at info at I'd love to hear so please do uh, join us, um, uh, communicate, and if you want to leave any Facebook messages, um, go to www.facebook.com slash more And this recording will be available tomorrow um, if you want to download it to MP3 and listen to it in more detail. So thank you very much. Thanks to our production engineer, Chad, today, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week.
1: We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.